diagnosis. And in this series, we are asking 10 questions to help you diagnose your spiritual health. Uh, We are uh, right now in our eighth week, but are asking question number seven. Uh, If you're wondering where these questions come from, they come from those books back there by the sound booth, question seven uh, uh, from Donald Whitney's book, and it's this. Are the spiritual disciplines increasingly important to you? Are the spiritual disciplines increasingly important to you? Now, you just look at those terms, spiritual and disciplines, and already we're going, uh, we can go in so many different directions. Spiritual, that's a buzzword today, right? What does it mean? Everyone wants to be spiritual, right? Some way everyone admits that, I'm spiritual, I mean don't really get into that religion thing, but I'm a spiritual person. Discipline's in, right? Like people wanting to be better and do better. And, you know, Jocko, Jocko Willink's book, Discipline Equals Freedom, Freedom, right? It's, discipline's in. So, yeah, you like it, huh, Miles? So spiritual disciplines needs defined. What do we mean by that? Spiritual disciplines. Some of you may have read... Uh, uh, Foster's book, Celebration of the Disciplines, where he goes through 12 chapters and just lists out specific disciplines uh, that people, uh, that he thinks Christians should practice that help us uh, grow and mature. Anyway, what I'd love to do for us this morning, given all that confusion, and in some ways even the guilt that can come with, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying without ceasing? Are you going to church? Are you living simply? Are you uh, in solitude? Are you make this list of things that, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I'm not. And then you begin to measure yourself up against this list of things, and all of a sudden guilt enters in. The, the point of this is to actually do the opposite in raising this question, especially if we raise it and frame it properly. So I want to take a little bit of a sidestep from the question and reframe it. Reframe the question and also couple it with another question that is, I would say, equally important, if not more important. One, if, if you answer that question, maybe you'll answer this question in a different way. So when we talk about spiritual disciplines, I'd like to just sidestep a little bit and talk about what the church has historically called Means of grace. Means of grace. So I actually want to reframe the question. Are the means of grace increasingly important to you? J.I. Packer says this, The doctrine of the disciplines is really a restatement and extension of the classical Protestant teaching on the means of grace. Here's what's important, he says. Whatever the term The key is that God has revealed, here's the phrase I want you to get, certain channels through which he regularly pours out his favor. Did you get that? We're talking about spiritual disciplines. We're transitioning more to, and if you read the chapter, Whitney even talks about 
disciplines being means of grace. Channels of grace where God just continues to dispense himself, his strength, his grace to uh, people that need it desperately. So that's what we're asking this morning, really. Are the means of grace increasingly important to you? Those channels through which God regularly pours out his grace. So we're not trying to guilt you today. And are you doing all these things? Make you feel bad that you're not. Figured I'd get an amen out of that. We're talking about your joy today. We talk about disciplines. We're talking about joy. We're talking about accessing sustaining grace. Right? Spiritually healthy people in many ways know that they are a mess. And they need grace to make it. Okay? So maybe you're here today and you're worn out. You're exhausted. You don't have it in you. Maybe you've, you, you feel the weight of your own sin. Maybe you're weary from the journey. Maybe certain circumstances are crushing you. We raise this question, spiritual disciplines, like the pastor's just going to dump more on me today. No. All we want to get at today is asking some questions and maybe pointing you in the direction where you can access grace to endure. Okay? You follow me? Good. I'm not sure I'm following myself right now. Thanks, brother. But if you're going to ask that question, are the means of grace increasingly important to you? You've got to ask this other question. Are you pursuing God's vision for your life? Because the need for grace is obvious when you recognize the purpose that God has for you each day and into eternity. God's purpose for your life is that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and see him one day face to face. That's what life is all about for every one of Christ's people. That's what God's vision is. Your glorification guess what? You ain't there yet, and neither am I. And so when we think about means of grace, when we think about spiritual disciplines, we have to think about it in the context of God's vision for our life. And it is a glorious one. That all that he's doing and has done is so that you could be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. See Him as He is and become like Him. Guess what you need to get there? Grace. Grace. Again, vision, conformity to Jesus. How are you going to get there? Accessing grace on the way. That's what this is all about. Guys, I want to bring you to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. 
I ain't going to lie, I think I had more fun in the text than I did in the preparation of the sermon, for sure this week. The sermon, like, all week, I'm like, I don't know, but this passage. And I hope that, that if, if that's what the sermon does today, just brings you to the passage, that's a win. So I want you to grab your Bibles, I want you to dig in, turn off the Facebook notifications, give me, give me an hour, just kidding, give me 40 minutes. We're going to dive in here, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. This is indeed an awesome passage. Listen to these words. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness." and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. All God's people said... Amen, amen, amen. Man, does it start off great. Look at that verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has granted to us some things. No. His divine power has granted to us All things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, Christ has graciously provided all that we need to be faithful to Him in this life. Oftentimes, I feel in a place of such lack spiritually. Am I the only one? Meaning, I don't have what it takes. There's obvious biblical truth to that. In and of ourselves, that's true. We do not have what it takes. But oftentimes, I, I, I like almost beat myself into a corner and convince myself that there's no way for me to exhibit this particular characteristic, make this kind of decision. There's no way. I can't and I won't. But what the Scriptures tell me here is that the, in the Gospel... And in the the power of Christ, a great 
gracious provision has been made for me, has been made for all of those who are in him. It says that his divine power has granted to us all things, everything, perfectly, sufficiently. Nothing was left out. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Christ has indeed graciously provided everything that we need to be faithful to him in this life. How? Through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. Part of his central, I should say, central to his gracious provision of everything that we need is knowledge of him. That is your number one need in this life. And Christ has provided it. Knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of God. Right? Not, not head knowledge, like I know something about him, but knowledge Connected knowledge, intimate knowledge, relational knowledge. All that knowing means, relationally, that's what your greatest need is. And that is what Christ has indeed provided. Knowledge. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Another way to maybe say it is, is that Christ has given us himself. Amen? What greater joy is there than Christ's gracious gift, his gracious provision of himself to us? Knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And there it is. He gives us knowledge of him, the one who has called us to his own glory and excellence. One of the great purposes we see is in giving this knowledge, this relationship that we now have with God through Christ, is this, this great purpose behind it is that we might be called, summoned to his glory and his excellence. And right there we see the vision that comes Uh, that is inherently linked to our salvation. He's calling us to himself. He's giving us of himself so that what? We might come to his own glory and excellence. We're not there yet, are we? No, we're not there yet. But that's what he did when he called. Mike Maisie, you, come. To my glory and excellence. Right? He's called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. And look at what it says. So that through them, through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. When we come to know Christ... Right? We're called to this glory and excellence. And we already feel the great gap that exists in our heart and in our life, in our mind, in the decisions that we make, the sins that we commit. We feel this great gap between who we are and His glory and excellence. And we wonder, again, how in the world will we make it to His glory 
and his excellence. And look at what he says. That his provision includes a participation in his very nature. So if you're here and you are in Christ, rest assured in the fact that as he calls you to his own glory and his excellence, he he provides the very nature required to get there. He provides himself. He provides his very nature. Do you understand what that is saying? That this work of Jesus, as he provides for us, is a work that totally and radically transforms who we are, gives us a whole new nature. That when he calls us to himself, he gives us the gift of knowing who he is, and in that gift comes this wonderful participation in the divine nature, a radical shifting of who we are in relationship to him and what we are now capable of doing. That's the gospel. That's what Christ did. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on to say, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So we get a participation in the divine nature, and guess what? We get an escape from the evil desires that are in the world. There's your assurance of pardon, the one who places your faith in Jesus Christ. One who, is, who knows him, who's been united to him. Right? He's granted to us all things that we need. Himself, his nature, an escape from the corruption of the world with its sinful, evil desires. That's what we needed. That's what Christ provided. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That is the good news of what Jesus did for us, did in us, did to us. We are recipients of this gracious work. We bring absolutely nothing to the table. Isn't that wonderful news? He's given us all things. So for those who are weak and weary, who feel inadequate, who feel like they don't have what it takes, perfect. Just throw that on the table. Admit it. Embrace it. And then receive. Receive. Stop trying to do it on your own. Conjure up spiritual fortitude. To fix your sins with morality and just a couple practices that make you look better on the outside. Totally insufficient compared to what we see Christ has sufficiently done for us. Provided everything that we need. Himself, his divine nature, and an escape from the corruption that is in this world. When we know Jesus, we have all that we need to be faithful to him in this life. So please, allow that to just settle in and embolden you, to, it, to invigorate you, to awaken you, to aliven you, to strengthen you. When you think about the things that you face, 
and the situations and the temptations and, and all these things. We have all that we need in Christ. Christ has provided perfectly and sufficiently for us. There's nothing more that we need than Him. And we have it all in Christ. So don't let anyone say that you need this too. No. All I need is Christ. He's enough. He's sufficient. And He's provided me everything that I need to be faithful to Him in this life. That's a reality that we live in as the people of God. And respond to. Verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to supplement with your faith, supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue, with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Make every effort to add this to your faith. He goes on in um, verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm. Right? You see this call now. Christ's provision is the basis, the reason for the command, our response. And what does it say? For this reason, make every effort to add these things to your faith. Therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. We see that this provision propels us. This provision promotes within us the expending of effort. That that's what... Christ enables now as he provides a new nature and he provides us escape from the evil desires of the world. Peter says, now on that basis, for this reason, guess what? This command is fair and reasonable because of the sufficiency and the abundance of Christ's provision. Now you can get to work. You can expend effort. You couldn't before. Any labor, any work that you did before, was, it was a fool's game. You were chasing after your tail. But now because of Christ's provision, make every effort. Be all the more diligent. And we see that Christ's provision here was purposeful. It was to empower us. His divine power. It was to empower us by the Spirit of God. In this cooperative effort, very important word, cooperative effort to grow in Christ-like character. Remember, vision, conformity to Jesus. How are we going to get there? Grace, yes. But also a grace that empowers effort. Cooperation. You see, in justification, there's no cooperation. No! No cooperation. When it comes to gaining an, a legal standing before God that is not guilty, when it comes to being justified 
That is all a work of God through Christ by the Spirit. That is, that is a work of God. We don't do that. God does that. We don't bring anything to the table when it comes to justification. That is what God does. But when it comes to sanctification, now that we are a new creation, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, we have a new nature, we've escaped the corruption of the world, guess what? In sanctification, we cooperate with the Spirit. Right? Walk by the Spirit. Don't carry out the desires of the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Right? This, these virtues, these qualities. So he's saying here, Peter, just like Paul does about the fruit of the Spirit, makes a list of virtues, characteristics that basically point to Christ, reveal Christ. Remember, he's called us to his own glory and excellence. The vision is that we would be fully conformed to the image of Christ. And now we're called and commanded, again, because of Christ's provision, to work, to make effort, to be diligent. He uses phrases like add, it says, uh, ESV says supplement to your faith. We just say add to your faith. So add these character qualities to your faith. Grow, and if these qualities are yours and are increasing, Right? There's a, an expectation to grow and practice. If you practice these things, you will not fall. We cooperate with God when it comes to our sanctification. We're called and we're able, because of Christ's provision, to obey. And how do we do this? certain circumstances in our lives, right? Decisions we make. We're practicing love. We're practicing self-control. Sometimes when I practice, you know, I go to basketball. When I practice basketball, I miss a lot of shots, right? But we're working on it. We're making every effort that we have, empowered by grace, to add Christ-like character to our lives, in the midst of decisions and, and conflict and arguments and parenting and paying bills and making financial decisions, planning for the future, putting away groceries, doing the laundry, mowing the lawn, dealing with the annoying neighbor, in the midst of all those kind of situations, guess what we're, in, we're trying to do? Make every effort to add to our faith Christian character. We want to represent Christ in all of those situations as we are here in the world. In the midst of suffering. When life is difficult. When things don't go the way that we thought they would or should. When uh, expectations aren't met. We're practicing making every effort. We're growing. We're pursuing these things. 
Christ's provision empowers our effort to grow into Christ-like character. So we see here that we're called to this, and I don't know about you, but it, it seems a little exhausting to me. Like in the midst of my life, I'm adding these character things. Like, how am I going to pull that off? We've already said that, as David Mathis says in one of his books, he says, the Christian life from start to finish is utterly dependent upon the grace of God. So while we're cooperating in sanctification and adding these things, putting our best effort forward, it is not severed from grace. We cannot think of it that way. Like God gave us enough grace to get saved and go, go to heaven. And in the middle, like we're on our own. Let us not forget John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And so as we take each step on the journey to Christ, every step is one empowered by grace. Empowered by grace. We need more grace. We need more from Christ. So the question becomes, how do we get it? I mean, we understand that God can give himself and his grace in any way that he so chooses. We don't box God in. Yet we recognize that he's revealed in his word regular, ordinary ways that he's promised to give grace. And I think that's really what I'm hoping that that we can just finish this up with and and, and give a little application. Because someday, right, verse 11, we're going to stand before God. We want to cross that finish line, right? That goes on to say that if we're not doing these things, that we potentially could be ineffective, unfruitful, and by implication, verse 10, we may even fall before the finish line. So how do we access grace so that we're fruitful and effective? And we endure all the way to the crossing of the finish line. And we stand before our God and King. And He says, well done, good and faithful servant. How do we access grace? Through means of grace. John Piper says, the essence of the Christian life is learning to fight for joy in a way that does not replace grace. Learning to fight for joy. We're fighting. We're working. We're all in. We're diligent. Everything we've got. I feel like I'm Rocky. I'm the eye of the tiger right now. Right? That would help. Is that a fourth means of grace? Eye of the tiger? No, it's not. We just watched Rocky recently. Sorry for the Rocky promo there yeah so we're fighting but in a way that does not replace grace we still need grace he goes on we we cannot earn god's grace or make it flow apart from his free gift very important he says but we can position ourselves to go on getting as he keeps on giving love that phrase 
We can position ourselves to go on getting as he keeps on giving. We can fight to walk in the paths where he has promised his blessings. We can ready ourselves to remain receivers along his regular routes, sometimes called the spiritual disciplines, or even better, the means of grace. That's what we want. We want God, Christ, His grace, His strength. It's what we want, that's what we need. That's why you're here this morning. You know why you're here? I, w- I mean, maybe somebody's here to just check some box. But you're here because you crave grace. God's grace, Christ's grace, Christ's provision. And I want to give us three things. Really comes from David Mathis's book on habits of grace. I think a little bit later you're going to receive an email with the link. It's a free PDF of this book. So be on the lookout for that. And if you don't get one, just, just Google it. Habits of Grace PDF. It's wonderful. It's free. Might be helpful for you. Talks about three things. Means of grace. The Word of God. He calls it the voice of God. The voice of the Lord. Prayer. Having His ear. And three is fellowship. Meaning the church. Means of grace. The Word of God, the ear of God, the people of God. Those are the channels the roots, the means in which God has chosen and promised to provide the grace that we need to add the qualities, to, to continue the fight. Okay, are you tracking with me? Good. I don't know if I'm tracking with myself. <laughs> the Word of God is central to this because God provides grace for us as we sit under the preached Word right now Assuming you're receiving it by faith, God is dispensing grace to his people in the preached word. So God provides grace for us as we sit under his preached word and meditate upon his written word. The word of God is central. Jesus in John 17 is praying to the Father for, the, for, his, for his disciples. And what does he say? Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is uh, uh, dealing with temptation from Satan. And Satan's dishing out some great ideas. Jesus responds to him and says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We're sustained, we're fed, we're strengthened by the Word of God. Psalm 119.11, I've stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life, hope, In the word, in the midst of affliction. 
This is my comfort. In the midst of my affliction, your promise gives me life. And of course, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture, Genesis to Rev, all scripture breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Inspired by God, it's profitable. Teaching you, reproofing, reproving you, correcting you, training you in righteousness. The man of God, the woman of God is thoroughly equipped. I'm obviously giving you a different uh, version there. For every good work. You need the word. God's given it. It saved you. It continues to save you in sanctification. Strength, grace, the word. So we encourage you, read and meditate on the scriptures daily, constantly, regularly, in your own quiet times. Devos, whatever you're going to call it. Devos, engage the word. Right? Because blessed is the man, Psalm 1, or woman, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. That's the blessing. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Leaves do not wither. Blessing, grace, strength is found in God's word. So read it. Meditate upon it. Why am I so down? Why am I so tired? Why am I so... When's the last time you engaged the scriptures? Why am I so negative? When's the last time the scriptures gave you reality, perspective, hope? That's what the scriptures do. And I think even primarily, well, I think devotions, quiet times, whatever you call that, however, whatever, I think that's important. But I think even more so, it's the preached word. Right? It's the preached word. Listening to the preached word in the context of corporate worship in the people of God. He's chosen the foolishness of preaching. The exhortation from elders who teach and preach and exhort. How are they going to believe nobody preaches? Not if nobody blogs, Facebooks, or chats over coffee at Starbucks. No, if they don't preach. Do not miss sermons in worship. God is graciously providing. Now, if the sermons stink, that's a whole other issue. That's supposed to be a joke. But God uses sermons, preaching, corporate worship. Never forget those years sitting in and listening to Wagner preach and how God changed me and shaped me. And then go to Bill Anthes at Grace Covenant. Just like sermons captivated me. God revealed himself and grew me. 
than to preach and work with the boys at Missio and to sit and listen. God grew me, continues to grow. As I sit and listen to Jeremy and others here, love listening to sermons on podcasts too, but primarily here in the context of the church, sermons. Elders shepherd people in their preaching and sheep are fed by sermons. That's what God uses. Second, God provides prayer. God gives grace for us as we call out to Him in prayer. Proverbs 15, the Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. Psalm 66, look at this testimony. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what He's done for my soul. I cried out to Him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He's attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he's not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. God hears the prayers of his people. His ear is a roadway to grace. Pray. Come before your God. He cares. He has the time. He has the ability to handle all of your requests all at the same time throughout all eternity. It's not too much for him. He's not too busy. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are weary. I'll give you rest. I'll give you the grace you need. Pray. All you got to do is ask and you shall receive. What an awesome privilege it is to boldly approach the throne of grace and pray. I'll never forget the practical application I got from Bill Anthes on this, actually, because I struggle with prayer. I struggle with focus. So you can imagine, I struggle with prayer. Like, sit down, like, five minutes in, I'm thinking about the Chicago Bulls victories in the 90s. How did I get on that? I don't know. I'm supposed to be praying and giving God praise for his, his holiness. And I'm remembering that jump shot in the mid-90s. Like, how did I even get on this? I wonder if some of you struggle with the same thing. You just struggle to focus. So I don't have an hour in the morning. I don't have 90 minutes. I'm out the door. My kid wakes me up at 4.30 crying every day. How am I going to do this? And you live in the guilt of not praying enough. Guys, he, he told me, play a game called Connect the Dots. Just a simple thing that might be helpful to you if you're struggling with prayer. Place small dots in your day. Five-minute increments. Pray for five minutes in the morning. Pray for five minutes uh, at lunch. Pray for five minutes on your way home from work. Pray for five minutes at, uh, after dinner. Pray for five minutes before bed. You understand what he's doing there? Guess what you just did? You're praying without ceasing. At least starting that process. And more and more, begin to practice the presence of God. Throughout the day, connect the dots. Have your mind in tune. I think sometimes we, we have these goals of praying for two hours in the morning before work, and then we don't do it, and we feel crappy, and then we stop. Make some small goals and put little dots in the day. Prayer. Access grace. Access grace. And last is fellowship. God provides grace for us as we fellowship with others in the body of Christ. 
It's right here. This is grace. These kinds of uh, covenant relationships, that's grace. Meeting together, praying for each other, caring, serving. This is grace. Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Stir one another up. That's what we're doing. Stirring one another up. The other side is more of a warning. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Guys, God has so designed the body to be a source of grace. And you guys know that, because you live that. We see it all the time. One thing that has always been strong about this congregation, just pastoral affirmation here, is that you love on each other. You care for each other. You pray. When someone's in need, you give. And you're, con- you're concerned about each other's relationship with Christ. And you spur each other on. Guys, that's God's grace. That's God's grace on display in your life. So the question becomes, are these means of grace increasingly important to you? That's a sign of health. It's a sign that you recognize that you're weak and you're needy. It's a sign that you understand where God gives grace. In His Word, in in prayer, and in the midst of His people. Think on that. It's an important way to evaluate where you are, especially as we're heading into the fall. It's, you know, everything's a little discombobulated in the summer. Take the time to think, contemplate, how is my life structured to be accessing grace in the ways in which God dispenses it? My time, my money, my emotion. Am I, am I structured in such a way that I'm in the scriptures, that I'm hearing the preached word, that I'm praying with God's people, that I'm praying in my private time with the Lord, and I'm connected in the body in meaningful ways out in, on Sunday and outside of Sunday morning. That's where God gives grace. That's where God heightens joy. Really, that's where you just get more of Him. More of Him. In His Word, having His ear, and in relationship and connection to His people. Christ continually sustains every step in our walk with Him by His grace from beginning to end. Christ, Christ's gracious provision Sustains our every step from beginning to end. Pray that he continues his work in you. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed gracious and merciful.
when we're weak and weary, <clears throat> you provide all that we need. And we praise you for that today. Lord, <clears throat> pray that if there's somebody here today that feels that, that you administer to them. Someone here today that's been struggling in their walk and weakened by the flesh. I pray that you would just dispense your mercy and grace to them in a very personal way. If there's anybody here today that feels discouraged, I pray that you'd remind them that your divine powers provided everything that they need for life and godliness. Lord, I pray that you just continue your work in all of us, conform us to Jesus, give us the energy and, uh, and grace required to just add Christ-like character to our, to our lives. Help us to practice these things and keep us, protect us, sustain us, bring us to that eternal kingdom. Please, God, bring us there. We need your grace. Give us this day the grace of knowing our need of more grace. In Jesus' name, amen.